the Copa de Rey this weekend and then Aliti about to face Real Madrid in the semi-finals of the Super Cup. We kind of um, thought it was wise to have a preview of the game and it's been nice chatting um, with listeners on the podcast and you guys kind of making us have more than 100 listeners. That's actually great because when the podcast actually started, it was actually not so great and it's good to see how the podcast have grown over the years, which is actually thanks to you guys, the listeners. So, to preview the Madrid Derby, which will be taking place tomorrow in Jeddah, it's Ali, a good friend of mine, a Real Madrid fan, who is joining me. Ali, how are you doing? Hey, good, man. Thanks for having me on the podcast. And Ali, it's also a pleasure for you to be on the podcast, and thanks for accepting our invites. So, Ali, how's the new year been for you? Man, New Year has been good. I got the chance to travel a little bit. Uh, kept up with the football, of course. Uh, so no complaints. Well, Ali, there can be no complaints with Real Madrid uh, having a, a victory over Mallorca, which was a complicated game. I think everybody who is a La Liga follower knows home away is difficult playing against an Aguirre team and also a very good win uh, in the Copa de Rey, which is actually... Good because I think uh, that actually implies that we have now three Madrid derbies in the space of a month. Where we have this one in the semi final of the Super Cup, we have another in the Copa del Rey, and then we have another in the league. It kind of um, gives you, I think, is it reminiscence of the season where there were, I think, um, is it six classicals in one season? And who knows, maybe if Alexi kind of progress from to the quarterfinals and then Madrid do same, we can have another Madrid derby in the Champions League, which will be bonkers. Yeah, that would be something. Would be really great, actually. <laughs> well, I think for the neutrals, it would be great. But for us fans, you know, you kind of leave us at the edge of our seat. And the Madrid Dev is kind of like a city of Madrid divided. It's true, there are many other clubs in Madrid, like Getafe, Rayo, Alcocon. But I think that's the biggest derby in town. And it's true, there have been controversies off the pitch of in recent games, which were not very great, especially from the part of Aleti fans and I'm happy uh, maybe the league kind of took some initiative in trying to sort that out and we hope we never see something of that sort again but I think in recent games the rivalry has kind of been intense on the pitch we can go back to last season's um, derby I think in the semi-final of the Copa del Rey and then how intense he watched the home and away game and the red card controversy Rudiger Madness and the rest so the rivalry, I think it has been great. And as we were talking before we started recording, the rivalry has been great for on the pitch reasons, unlike some previous seasons or like the one I think which bailed up on the Vinicius stuff, which was actually very, very bad. So do you think that going into the future in further Madrid derbies, we kind of see this intensity given especially the young core Real Madrid has at their back as their base, sorry? Yeah, I mean, I think what I like about the current young core at Madrid is, you know, minus them being a bit immature because they're very young right now, they're not actually like assholes, <laughs> for for <laughs> lack of a better way of explaining this. And 
I think I like that because, you know, on the field, it also comes through. So their competitiveness is about the game itself, you know, them wanting to win and stuff like that. And I think that they don't necessarily, they keep it then on the field and about the football rather than becoming too aggressive about, you know, big picture things and then taking the rivalry uh, a bit too far. So uh, for me, I like that, you know, and I think that this new Madrid, the way it's shaping up, because I think Benzema had a very big influence on these guys, you know. Uh, and he's a nicer guy. So I kind of preferred Benzema's Real Madrid to, say, Cristiano Ronaldo and Sergio Ramos's Real Madrid because those two were a bit too extreme for me in, in terms of that aggression. But Benzema was nicer about it. And I think the kids have sort of absorbed that. And it's the same with, like, Kroos and Modric. Same thing. Very competitive. But for them, it was about showing it on the field rather than taking it too far. So this new gen, I think, has absorbed that. And I, I personally prefer that. So I'm I'm kind of glad that... That is the flavor and kind of personality of the team moving forward, as it seems, uh, rather than how it was, uh, you know, after Mourinho and in this kind of Cristiano Ronaldo, Sergio Ramos era. Yeah, that's actually great because uh, you kind of have a lot of like competitive edge and you have games which are tense and you don't have a lot of, um, how can I say, like those classicals was like every small tackle was a fight and the rest and you kind of have what we are having now and i think it's kind of same for alice because you have like the evolution of cello and like and i see alice actually become a little bit nicer if you look at fast committed in la liga alice actually committed a deadly amount of fouls and then you have like the guy who is the captain cookie he's kind of a nicer guy as compared to say gabi in the past and then you have um this player who kind of like you have the likes of barrios kill me players who are coming from the academy and who are actually looking up to Koke. And you also have Lino, a guy who just came in last season, but he actually sees Koke as somebody who, has, who personifies Aleti and then he's looking up to him. And like you said, in the case of Benzema, like a nicer guy. And you also have the likes of Griezmann, who a lot of some of the players in the squad, the younger ones are kind of like looking up to him. And those are guys who are very competitive, but also have that kind of like a nice aura as compared to the likes of Costa, and how Aliti were in, like, say, the prime Cholosimo era, which is actually good. And I think the first Magic Derby kind of gave her, can I say, show Aliti one, but I think if you watch the game, it was actually a kind of a fun game to watch, even though Aliti scored and then dropped so deep before kind of trying to push her out of the pitch and all the tactical things which happened in that game. But it was kind of great seeing how they were, there was a rivalry on, on the pitch. And now the atmosphere, the Metropolitan was actually great. Which kind of, how can I say, pick my interest into looking forward to the return leg. And I hope maybe the atmosphere there will be also be great for both sides. And hopefully Magic can actually give some tickets, actually, as compared to last time, which it was as if um, it was a Magic Derby, but it was playing just in real sphere, which that is a topic for another day. So, um, Ali, we have just talked about how the Derby has, like, building up to the Derby, you have Madrid, I think, um, after Aliti beat them in the derby, which was, I think, three months ago. You have Madrid going on a 19-game run, scoring goals for fun. That's 47 goals in within that time. And you have them considering just 13, which is actually very, very surprising for a Carlo Angelotti Real Madrid team because we know how they are. And it's like a free-flowing team. We outscore our opponent. Especially given that Madrid has had a lot of injuries, especially crucial ligament injuries to key players in defense. You have Otoas, which I think he was at the start of the season. You have that of Militao and then Alaba just recently. And I think those are things which you obviously think will affect the defensive structure or the defensive solidity of Madrid. But that's not been the case, especially with having a guy like Rudiger in the defense. So, Ali, what do you think has been 
a key factor in Madrid going on a 19 game on beating run. Yeah, so I think for me, the key is it has been consistency for Carlo Ancelotti as a coach. You know, uh, he he's had enough seasons now where I think the team finally, in a very like deep sense, understands the the style, the structure, and the requirements that the style of coaching places on them um, and on the players. And I think in his style, you know, there are two elements to how he builds his teams. The first is about the individual level of the players. And this is about, you know, their technical quality, their tactical intelligence and understanding of the game and physical quality. And then the second, once he has his players really well primed individually, is for him to then find the system that accommodates all of them. And even if you have an imbalanced, let's say, structure, I think the way that he makes it work, and, and you know, Zidane had some of this as well, was he would focus on raising the individual level of the players that they would bring intelligence, physicality, and tactical awareness to make sure that the end result for the team is is what a good structure would deliver. But the players, in this case, are able to step up and deliver the same thing despite not having a great structure. So I think that that's the main reason, which is why I think you know you see a game like the Copa del Rey as well. And usually when you rotate so much and you bring in so many new players, you know, you you get a disaster of structure and shape and you know it looks really disjointed and bad and and actually it didn't for Madrid interestingly you saw the same elements and style of play that the main players bring to the team as well and i think that's us seeing the coach him just having had so much time getting these players to understand what he requires from them and i think that's why that plug and play etc is working so well is because of this and the other thing is we've just had some key players who haven't been injured and those have helped in each of the lines ensure that things keep ticking and the results keep coming in, you know. So, like, in defense, it's Rudiger in midfield, you know, Fede Valverde, Tony Kroos, uh, Jude Bellingham. These three have remained pretty constant uh, in attack. You know, Rodrigo has been there. Brahim has been there, who's been a real revelation this season. So, all put together, I think there's been enough players who are around and they keep helping the team make that difference. Wow, that's actually great because... Uh... It actually shows, uh, well, someone like Carlo, I think he's, as compared to most modern-day coaches, he's, like, um, different in the essence that he's not so um, tactic-centric, where he tactics are not actually the core of, like you mentioned, the strategy, but he actually deals with um, the personnel, which is actually a good suit for, for Real Madrid because talking about Real Madrid, I think no matter who you are as a football fan, the first thing that comes to your brain is Galacticos, which is having so many big players and able to like manage those egos and also actually find roles with, on the pitch or put them in area of the pitch, we can actually bring the best at. I think that's been Carlos' best trend, like you mentioned, and you said that a lot of players are like kind of stepping up. And before we started to continue, I was talk, talking to you about how impressive I was of um, Brahim Diaz being the offer on the bench and how he kind of give a certain energy or vibe to Real Madrid's um, attack. And he's as given that he's also from uh, the academy, you also have him playing for like the club of your dreams. And obviously he plays that extra mile. And it's not just in attack. I think he's also great at also covering, which is also a bonus for Real Madrid. And it's actually good seeing that because um, moving from AC Milan, where he was actually playing as um, how can I say, like a 10 and then not necessarily majority, but some of the attacks actually passed through him, which was actually great. And he showed what he could do 
which he was not given the chance at Real Madrid. And coming back actually now, even though Real Madrid has a lot of stars, but injury has kind of permitted him to have minutes and we are seeing the fruits of those minutes. So what do you think has been like um, actually key for him in actually, I want to say succeeding because it's too early to say that, but he has actually kind of succeeded in actually like cementing a place, be it on or off the bench at Madrid at the moment. He's not scoring goals, but I think no one can actually ignore the impact he has in how Madrid has been playing recently. Yeah, I mean, I think that what what makes him very valuable to Carlo Ancelotti and the team is that he is tactically very consistent. So, you know, you send him onto the field and whatever expectations the coach has of him, he is able to deliver those. So he might not be, you know, your he's not like Rodrigo, for example, scoring a lot of goals, but he's very consistent with his output on the field in a tactical sense. And I think that's what makes him so valuable to the team is that just that consistency on the field and the good tactical fit that he has as a profile with Carlo as a coach are just the things that are working really well. And, you know, for a substitute player, consistency is one of the hardest things, right? Because they don't play as regularly as your your usual starting 11. And so it's very hard to have players come off the bench who will be very plug and play in this sense, and they will execute and deliver output very consistently um, he has that, and I think that's been the big difference in why he's influencing games as much as he is. You know, he'll come in, he'll progress the ball effectively, he can take players on, so he's able to like dribble and get into strong positions for the team. Pretty good associative play, you know, one twos, make some nice like leading passes and also assists sometimes. So it's been pretty all round for him, I think. Um, whatever it was about this move. It seems that Madrid's environment and the the fit with Ancelotti as a coach, who very much likes him as a player, has just produced that level that we're seeing right now. Um, Mali, I think uh, one of the things I I think goes under the radar concerning uh, Madrid is the fact that people actually uh, focus so much on the players they bring in the uh, the Galacticos, but they actually forget how good. Oh, how can I put this? I want to say um, Real Madrid actually a very good ground club because. It's like if you look at the likes of Ronaldo, uh, Ramos, or Varane, I think they actually move on from players. uh, How can I say? It's like they move on from players at the right time, which is something many clubs find difficult to do. And then that has actually been the reason why I think we can now see this uh, core, which is involving Bellingham, Chouemini, Kamavinga, and the rest. So do you think um, that's an aspect of Frentino's Perez's reign, which actually goes under the radar? Yeah, I, I think that the, the thing about Florentino Perez, which has always been there, is that he has always had a preference for very, very technical players, right? So he, I think always, even the Galacticos, the idea wasn't just to bring in like big name players. I think that he was looking for very technically capable players always in his kind of career as a president and i think what we're seeing now is in this you know new cycle that he's building finding young players the 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 thing that's consistent is the level of technical quality and i think that is something that's perhaps underrated about the madrid squad right now you know when you see them on the field i think there's just so much skill in these players that Ultimately, you know, football sometimes becomes really simple and quality is what makes a huge difference on the field. And I think in Madrid's case, they're just they've put together a lot of high quality players and they just happen to have a coach who's able to get them working together 
uh, without it being a disaster in terms of system and tactics. And that's why we're seeing such a high level. So absolutely, I think Florentino always preferred very technical players, and he's had the chance now to bring in a lot of them. And that's why we're seeing such a good level, you know, and, and I think that explains why he's been obsessed with bringing in someone like Mbappe, for instance, and he wouldn't go necessarily for Haaland, because I think Haaland to him seems in some sense more of a one-dimensional player than someone like Mbappe, who has very all-round technical capabilities. Oh, that's interesting. And it's actually amazing how things are being done, there, especially at Madrid, where you have the academy players, especially the ones who don't make it, are actually the ones who kind of provide the funds for those um, Galacticos. I, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think it was uh, four academy players who were actually sold for equivalent the same amount Real Madrid played for Hazard. Yeah. The likes of um, De Paul, um, um, Tio Hernandez, and Rigulon, which was actually, I think, great for, for Madrid. And now we just, that just came to mind because we were talking about Brian Diaz. And I think, you know, like you said, Florentino Perez's preference on technical players and seeing what he did at um, Milan and how technically sound he was, especially at progressing the ball and also making things happen for them in the final third, might have sparked things for him to actually come back. And going on, um, so um, a player, I think uh, Madrid bought for five million, and he's not. He does not really have that. You are can I say that Galactico aura around him. Came from Penarol in Uruguay, came to the academy, work his way, work his ass off, and now he is actually part of the first team. Man, I, in my opinion, he's one of those players where if Carlo Ancelotti is actually supposed to make his first eleven, like he's the one of the first players there because no matter where you play him. He kind of have that t- tactical versatility that he can offer to the team to kind of make them kind of work or click because his work on and off the ball is just amazing. I'm talking about Vavedi. He's one of the players who I say the Real Madrid player kind of admire the most in which I believe he was at Atleti. That could be fantastic for us. But he's a Madrid now and you know, having a Uruguayan is like, I just believe every team in the world, Ali, okay, needs to have a Uruguayan in, on their team. <laughs> yeah, you know, Federer Valverde almost is an enigma, to be honest, because you have a lot of hardworking players, you know, who are tactically reasonably intelligent, but they don't necessarily become as good as Federer Valverde has. And I don't think I have an explanation for how he's managed to become as good as he is, because I think you see a lot of players of his profile, but... But that's the thing, because they have technical limitations, you know, they don't necessarily become great. There's something special about him, you know, he's just managed to consistently get better. And and this season, man, like it's unbelievable consistency in this player, you know, like, and he does this under the radar. It's not very obvious, but he is such an amazing player. It's just incredible to see. But I also think, given that he's not technically the most gifted guy, he is one of those enigma type players where he's not supposed to be as good as he is, but he just is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, um, like you said, okay, he's not the most technically gifted player like the likes of Bellingham and the rest, but he's one of those who offer the balance for Real Madrid in terms of the attack and defense. And um, the likes of, uh, how can I say, the likes of Bellingham, uh, Brahim, Rodrigo, Vinicius, those are players who are, who are very good at ball carries and they can actually carry the ball under pressure. But now you have someone like Valverde, someone who I think in open space, he kills you because the way he, how can I say, 
the way he's able to like it's like in counter-attacking situation he pushes the ball but he gets the right amount of touch on the ball which actually gets him past players and then you have that his quality which enables him to be able to score goals from out of the penalty box with which is actually very very amazing um i in the game against um Mallorca, there was something that actually piqued my interest which was so amazing for me because Mallorca go for a man-to-man press and there's like Real Madrid are facing difficulties in like by passing it and it's kind of coming for a goal kick. And then um, Valverde is actually positioned because he played next to Cruz that game. He kind of turns and he scans and look over his shoulder. He kind of spots space behind Mallorca's wing backs because Mallorca played with the back five. And then he looks at Lunin and then prints into that space, which kind of gave Real Madrid like an option to actually progress the ball and Lunin being good with his feet, actually finds him in space and that was how Ramaji created a counter-attacking like situation from that and that was actually amazing because like we said, he is not technically good as the likes of Bellingham and the rest but what he provides, being that great, because if you look at Aliti for example, you say like of Lorente and you see his limitation but now you look at Vavede, a player of let's say similar quality in terms of technical ability but you see how he offers different things to Real Madrid, which players, like you said, of his same breed will not be able to do, which is actually great. Yeah, and I think maybe part of it, um, he was lucky that, so I think two things, you know, I think A, he was lucky he came to Madrid at a time that he was able to learn from guys like Zidane, obviously an amazing midfielder himself, and then Modric and Kroos, who, from all accounts, you know, seem to be the kind of guys who are mentoring and teaching the young players. And then credit to Valverde, he's a, he's a good guy. Like He wants to get better, works hard, and wants to learn. I think that he's just... That combo has worked very well for him in that he has learned a lot of tactical um, sort of intelligent actions and decision-making from these guys. And that's making the difference for him, as you rightly said. He's, a very, he's become a very smart player also. And then he has just enough technical skill and obviously ample physical capabilities that he's able to make that count uh, very well. That's amazing. So, um, um, Ali, we have arrived at the point where we have to talk about the elephant in the room and that's talking about Drew Bellingham. You have a player who, who is actually like held in high regards by almost everyone in world football as one of the best upcoming midfielders in the world while he was at Dortmund. And obviously, he's very good at, let's say, being like this kind of what the English call a box-to-box, somebody who is able to carry the ball forward and do good, do well in both boxes. Now he comes to, to Madrid, Benzema leaves, and everyone's like, are Madrid going to go for Mbappe? Is Mbappe coming? Or are Madrid going to go for Haaland? Sorry, not Haaland. Are Madrid going to go for a striker, Usman or whoever? But then, in preseason against Barca, Carlo, go for a, Carlo goes for a 4 4 2 diamond. And then you have Bellingham kind of being at the tip of the diamond. And everyone's like, oh, this is not going to work. There's not a lot of this and that. And heading into the season, Carlo continues with that. Madrid doesn't bring in striker. And you have Bellingham right now at the top of the La Liga goal scoring stand. That's actually astounding. Yeah, so absolutely. And I think, you know, it's been a surprise for everyone how good he's been. I think everyone knew that he was a talented player, but no one expected that there would be this high a level of output from him. 
And I don't think it's it's necessarily going to last. You know, Fede, for instance, same thing. He scored a lot of goals last season and, and this year, not so much. I think with Jude as well, there'll be a settling probably next season. You know, teams will learn also how to play against him in better ways. But right now, what I'm seeing is that he just so happens to have had an extremely efficient and high success rate, you know, with the shots that he's taking, which have led to so many goals for him. And that essentially has has been the, the key here for him. But overall, as a player, he's very exciting because this is a kid who is physically very capable. You know, he can run similarly like Fede all day long. He has high technical quality. And you see that, you know, in, in the games. It's not that he's just showing up for the goals and not doing anything else. He's actually affecting play in all phases uh, of the game, you know, midfield all the way through attack. He's tactically very intelligent, so he takes up the right positions. And all of that put together just right now, I don't think teams know what to do about him in terms of how to play against him. And and that's why he's been so successful. But also, as it so happens, he's not missing. You know, like he's scoring from the vast majority of his shots, which is also a bit of, I think, statistical anomaly, which will settle at some point. But it's safe to say that he is obviously an incredibly talented, really good player. And he's going to be very good for Madrid in, in times to come if he stays injury-free. Well, um, like you said, it's a statistically anomaly, which I think will settle on at some point. But you check the statistics, this guy has actually scored 13 La Liga goals from 29 shots on target. That's actually um, right up there with some of the best finishers in the world. And if you look at some of his finishes, they are actually very great. I think his goal against Betis has been... In my opinion, his best goal this season for me because the technique to actually get the ball down, which was played over the top, and then they, they how can I call this? Um, the manner, um, his, the manner, the 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 gest, um, the 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 swag in which he finish finishes that off. It gives you like somebody like you has been a Real Madrid fan. You have watched range of finishes from the likes of Ronaldo, that's all Ronaldo, Nazario, Cristiano, from Raúl, and I think if you if I'm if I might be out of my league, but I think you agree with me that that finish against Betis was actually very good. Yeah, and look, I mean, it is possible as well that we might have seen the evolution of, you know, your sort of atypical all-round attacking midfield player with Bellingham in the coming seasons we learned. What I mean by that is, you know, when Cristiano Ronaldo came up, we saw an evolution of the winger, you know, or the classic winger. And wingers are now forwards, you know, in the sense that they though that player has just evolved in their role and ability to impact games by adding a lot of goals to what they're doing you know and then you see guys like fala like robin stuff like that they were the evolution of the traditional winger type role and they became these forwards who played wide where wingers do but they would score a lot of goals and and maybe jude is the evolution of that midfield player you know where slowly in the modern game you know midfielders were becoming more and more and more kind of capable in an all-round sense and and it might be that we're going to see the first you know super scoring midfielder um because i remember when cristiano did it at united no one believed it you know they were like no way does a winger score these many goals but he kept doing it you know and then others came who were also able to do it so it is possible that that this is that next evolution and you know he'll keep it up as well because it's hard to see how he's going to lose that technical capability that he's showing right now in terms of, you know, the shots that he's taking. We'll see. He might be able to keep it up. 
Yeah, he might be able to keep it up. It all depends on what role I think he kind of gets in his stay in Madrid. And you talk about the evolution of super scoring midfield. I think yeah, we saw that. I think Kai Havertz and Leverkusen, where he's not really nine, he's not really your midfielder, but he scores goals and coming to England has not been great for him. But let's see how things go because uh, some of his finishes are really, really top notch. I mean, top notch. And I think, like you said, we are in an era where it's not just depending on the, the striker to just score goals. I think the striker now in most clubs have different other roles he has to perform. And now you have many and more, many teams who don't just, like I said, depend on him to score goals. But we now have goals coming in from now, like you said, the wingers which are now forwards. And now you also have midfielders chipping in. And I, you have midfielders in the likes of Gundogan, who I think at one point, it was the last, at one point before Alan came, was actually top goal scorer of Man City because he had the ability to crash like make runs which Bellingham's in Bellingham make late runs into the box or run, runs from the second line, which is something Bellingham is now doing very well at, at Madrid. So it all depends on what role he has and how things go forward from there. So um Ali when talking about Bellingham, I think we can go for on and on about his technical excellence, range of finishing and whatever. But I think the thing that impresses many, or oh, for example me the most is actually his mentality, the way he carries himself the that hunger that that um, how can i say it's like i told you before we started recording like he's like it's like he's a not only a galactic but also someone who kind of personifies real madrid in terms of he's a superstar yes he doesn't want to lose no matter the team he plays against he wants to win everything i don't mean just the score line but in terms of duels he misses a chance even if it's at five five one four three you get that um, how can I say that anger that you see in his eyes and everything he's very a tough competitor. So do you also like that about him? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know we were talking about this again, a slight comparison to Cristiano Ronaldo in some sense. You know, it's not quite the same. You know, Cristiano is a bit of an extreme personality as well. But yeah, like Judas has those elements to him, and I think him actually moving to Real Madrid over any of the other clubs in England, in fact, very well shows the type of personality that he has, you know, where the the culture and, and the, the modern, like, you know, era of Real Madrid, where it's become so clear what the culture at the club is, the winning mentality, etc. He, he, he had appeal to come in that environment. I think it's just, yeah, it's just a really good fit between him and club in terms of that mentality. And if there's anything that Madrid has proven, you know, in their modern era is that at the end of the day, in the era of highly structured football, there are still some old school things about technical quality and having the right mentality where you can overcome the best of structures and the most difficult of circumstances and win football, you know? Yeah, that's actually good. I think I can still recall the meme where you have um, Real Madrid coming up against teams in the Champions League and they are like, um, you have like tactical bots and giving tactical instructions and then you have Real Madrid and the meme kind of says it's a friendly club, it's a friendly club, our technique is going to get us to all those type of stuff. It's actually kind of great because uh, in an era where everything is being um, about tactics is true, it's good, but having a club like Real Madrid, even though I'm not really a high fan of Real Madrid, I don't watch most of their games, but I think watching them and just seeing their, their, that their, their technique also can actually get them over the line is actually kind of refreshing. The words are actually kind of struggling to come out of my mouth. 
because it's not easy for me to preach that much given that but well i think you have to give credit where it's due and that's actually the case of uh, of real magic so ali moving on uh, we have to talk about this guy i don't like so much but she was my later i actually love him that's rudiger he came coming from chelsea i think where he's from winning the champions league and actually expected a lot i believe he did not start so well on like the level i think we all expected that he showed at chelsea but maybe some expect him to have a slow start but Madrid are actually missing quite a lot in defense alaba no militao and he has been paired with the likes of nacho i think so many but you still see his level at the moment guys right up there one of the best in the world at the moment yeah i mean and and this might end up being like his top season you know like his absolute peak and and then maybe the the decline will start coming after that uh, let's see maybe he'll keep it up for for a season or two but yeah we're really seeing a player at his absolute peak you know top of his abilities and i think when chelsea signed him and and you know they won the champions league and everything i think everyone knew or saw that he had the talent to be where he is right now because he's so physically gifted as well you know has the technical quality has learned the tactical intelligence as well as a defender and it's just all completely come together for him right now as a complete package and same thing man i don't know how much credit goes to carlo ancelotti in this but his work with militao was really excellent as well so maybe there's something about the coach as well to say um and i said this earlier on as well as i think Carlo has always been a coach who's focused on improving the individual level of his players and he has been very effective at it for certain players over his career you know like very famous examples Kaká etc where he just individually made them so 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 good you know peak of their abilities and maybe we're seeing that happen again at Madrid right now with so many players showing at just extremely high individual level Rudiger is one of them Yeah that's actually very good and you guys got him for free so wow. those guys are real magic definitely know how to get this done man i hope Atletico can learn a thing or two from them well um Ali i think um, this is Vinicius has not been doing so well for reasons um, we are going to discuss about because the last two seasons has actually been peak Vinicius and then another player who has actually been struggling has been Rodrigo Berdin Vinicius absence absence sorry we actually saw um, Vinicius sorry Rodrigo do so well score goals is like he struggled for a while but then i think after the international break and have his very brilliant goal against cadiz he kind of started seeing a rodrigo goals who is actually having more impact on real madrid and not just being the super sub we saw in the champions league against man city but actually having like being one of the leaders in attack and in terms of helping real madrid do a lot of things like get into the penalty box or get into the final third with his dribbling and that's actually been something i think which has actually personified him this season where he's like he's as if he's like at the peak of his dribbling where you we all know he's technically been very very good player but i think it's like he's coming of age this season where we are actually seeing him doing so well from the right which is an area where Vinicius also thrive thrive from but we know Vinny has that x factor which actually makes him how can i say that the go-to man on the right so what do you think has changed for Rodrigo this season and what do you think needs to change for Vini to actually go to the next step of his evolution because technically and like say tactically he has improved and his score goals and he is now more consistent in his dribbles and also in front of goal but now it's as if he has arrived at the stopping block where we are seeing some irregularities in his performances 
yeah, so I think with with Vinny, I can start with him. Uh, the issue with him, I think all throughout, maybe he's physically a bit burned out from all the football that he's played in the, the last couple of seasons. And I think even before he got injured, in the build-up to that, that was part of it. Uh, I think that he was just getting burned out physically, and, and probably that's why he got injured as well. You know, it was coming, and he was due, you know, some rest for his muscles by default. So I think that's one part of it. But then the thing about Vinny as well is that he's clearly very emotional on the field. And I think maybe um, him getting rattled, you know, getting lost and arguing too much, trying to get fouls, you know, all the time when he's going down a bit easily. I think maybe he's focusing on the wrong things on the field rather than on what he was focusing on before in the last two seasons, which was how can I just be a better player technically and tactically so I can impact games in a really good way. And maybe that's been missing with him right now is it's a little bit of maturity that needs to happen where he focuses more on getting doing the right things on the field rather than focusing on almost these big picture things like, you know, referee decisions or what the crowd is doing and stuff like that. So I think Vinicius will be fine. Uh, you know, young players, they have their ups and downs. Maybe this is just a down season for him and that's fine. Um, as long as, in my view, you know, the most important thing for young players is is the willingness to learn and to adapt and, and evolve, as long as they keep that attitude, they'll figure out whatever problems they have. It's just a matter of time, you know. And I think a great example of that, for instance, Jao Felix is the atypical, you know, young player who has a lot of talent, but he doesn't seem to have that desire to actually learn and improve. And so he's been very stagnant and not really evolved. But then you have, you know, someone like Vinicius, who's evolved a lot. Rodrigo is another one. I'll talk about that just now. Another player who seems to have you know, kept his head down, focused on just becoming a better player, executing well on the field, and slowly, slowly, you know, he's done that, and now he's starting to produce this season. Now, I do think that Rodrigo is still lacking in some measure of consistency in terms of his output on the field. So he's scoring goals, you know, obviously, and he's doing enough to get the team the points that it needs. But I think that he still has more growing to do. I feel he disappears in games a lot still, which has been a perennial problem for him is that he'll just, you know, be the game will pass him by for long periods of time and then he'll come in, you know, have one run, have a dribble. And he's, I think he still has that in him. He shows up, but then he also doesn't show up. So I think, you know, the, the work is going to continue for Rodrigo as well. But what's really good news for Madrid is that him, Vinicius, you know, obviously Jude Bellingham now, Fede, we seem to have you know, indoctrinated these young players with that Real Madrid mentality about being very competitive and showing up in key moments, that they're all being effective at the right times for us who are getting the results. Um, so even though they're very young right now, we are getting by because they're able to produce those results. And as they get better players, you know, the prospect of how good this Madrid squad can be is, is pretty fierce, to be honest. Well, um, I for one, okay, I'm not a fan of what Real Madrid are building. Not because it's bad, but because it's so good. Because in the future, okay, imagine having a midfield and you have Chomini at the base, which is actually like prime Chomini, and then you kind of have a range of options you can choose from. Either Mavide, Kamavinga, Bellingham. God, man, it's like you guys are going to dominate football in the, in the next decade. Because if you guys get Mbappe now, oh, we take the calculation. Hopefully, the Bappe saga continues, and it's like you guys always say, "Fool me once, I blame you. Fool me twice, I blame me." So hopefully, he stays at Paris because the 
potential of this Real Madrid team is so, so good. And it's like Perez is actually building a team which will actually last decades like the previous ones. It's like that of the era of Cruz, Modric, Ronaldo. I think that's what he's building. And the good thing for you guys is that despite the fact that you guys are transitioning, you guys are still able to challenge at the top and win trophies, which is good for the present and also good for the future because given the personality and the profiles you guys have those are guys who and also the those who are being they are being surrounded by like the likes of cruise it's also good because even if they can win so much at the moment they will still have that hunger to want to win more because we have seen cruise modis win so much but these guys still want to win more which actually shows that uh, that's actually very great and um like you were saying ali uh Perez actually loves a lot of technical players and like you just mentioned, Felix actually having a lot of talent, but he needs to maybe focus on his game and improve a lot. Hopefully, Perez can actually, you know, bail us out and take Felix. Who knows? That would be great for us, you know. <laughs> hey, I think Porta <laughs> is the one who's lining up to bail you guys out. So, I mean, I, I'm all for it because <laughs> I say the more money Barcelona wastes is, is good for us because, you know, it keeps them further back, uh, to be honest. And, you know, interestingly... It's like, uh, and we were just talking about this, you know, how both Atleti and Madrid seem to have, like, matured as clubs in their mentality, in which, you know, in Madrid's case, Mourinho came and he made them very aggressive mentally. And I think the team needed that at that time to become competitive again because it hadn't been competitive for, for some time, you know. And same with Atleti, you know, Cholo 1.0 was got his team to be extremely aggressive. And I think he also believed that the players needed that to very quickly get back into this winning frame of mind because Atleti themselves had not been consistent about it for some time, you know. And now both teams seem to have, you know, settled into the mindset and mentality where they're not over-aggressive, you know, it's about the football, about getting good outcomes on the field. And they've become very settled and consistent in being able to deliver that, you know, even with newer generation players. And, you know, Atleti might not have the same quality that they did, but they're certainly very consistent. You know, you don't feel that they're any risk of missing out on top four anymore. You know, you feel very certain that they're going to at least qualify out from the group stages of the Champions League. And I think both these clubs, you know, both the Madrid clubs have done really well to build out or, you know, get back to their roots, maybe into the culture and attitudes that they need at the club to have a consistent and sustainable way of succeeding and meeting their objectives. But Barcelona have almost gone backwards. You know, they had an amazing golden generation. You know, it started with Ronaldinho and then came, you know, the Messi-Pep era. And it seemed like they had found, you know, their identity, tiki-taka, all this shit, you know. But now it seems like they're lost as a club, you know. Are they are they a rich club, you know, a galactical club? Are they one that is based on their philosophy? You don't really see any of that right now, you know. So I think they have a lot of figuring out to do as an institution, but the Madrid clubs seem to be much more settled in their identity right now. And and that's why I feel that they're going to be the more consistent ones, you know, moving forward, uh, at least, you know, for the next five, 10 years or so. Um, whereas Barcelona, I don't know, man, it's, uh, they're in a very strange place right now as an institution. Well, um, Ali, I will just say one thing I just envy from what you have said is that I wish I could praise Madrid the way you do confidently, girl. <laughs> but I think you're right, okay. I think you're right. I think one of the like you said, Barca are caught between this mentality of being a how can I say being a rich or maybe a club who actually relies on La Masia and whatever. 
And um, under Xavi, I think we have seen a lot of progress in terms of promoting players from La Masa, player who kind of embody what Barcelona is. But on the pitch, I think we see something different, which is, like you said, they have a lot of figuring out to do. And in terms of transfers, you know, um, Barca, can I say? It's like Barca, like the friend in which when you say, I need this, they really give it to you. And that's a Barca for a little when it comes to transfers. You can start going naming them from Villa to Suarez to um, Adaturan and the rest. So, hoping, hopefully, I think, like you said, they can build us out. If, if they can't, I'm hoping for an English club or, like you said, Perez, like for technical players, but we know he can't go for Felix. I think for his mentality and the rest, I think he will not suit Madrid. So, um, Ali, before this continue being a Real Madrid um, podcast, we can now talk about Aliti. So, um, Ali, um, we have kind of seen um, a change in how Aliti have been playing recently. I think it started with the title winning season. Everybody knows that. And now we have this Aliti who are exciting. And we are seeing Aliti playing seven goal thrillers. Yeah. If you are not watching La Liga, then you will be, you will be surprised. Yeah. Diego Simon is still the head coach and Aliti have a seven goal thriller. So, um, Ali, what do you think is kind of the difference in this era of Aliti and the era before? I'm talking about the Diego Godin, Gabi, Thiago era, and now this era of um, Rodrigo de Paul, Koke, Hermoso era. Yeah, so, I mean, I think there's a couple of things, you know. I, I touched upon it a little bit in terms of what my thinking was. Is I think, you know, initially, Atleti needed that shock, you know, to become aggressive and, and come up with... A winning mentality very quickly and you know defensive football generally tends to help a lot of coaches very quickly make teams competitive you know and maybe that was just the evolution of, of Cholo as a coach um, in that he got the club to be like that but Atleti you know at least from as as far as I've been watching football was not necessarily a club that aspired to play defensive football like you know there was actually <laughs> focus on and correct me if i'm wrong you know like playing good expansive attacking football and in fact maybe it was too much of that kind of focus and the club ended up being streaky you know sometimes they were good sometimes top four but then sometimes they'd finish outside of it while still having good players so i think it's just a maturity curve you know the first era it needed that type of football it needed that very aggressive attitude to build a certain winning mentality and now with some more maturity for the coach and also the club being more settled, I think that transition now is going towards them playing a little bit better, you know, open attacking football, more of what Spain is renowned for. I think La Liga this season seems to be going back to its roots as well, which made it such a popular league in in having more attacking football. So I think it's just that transition. But the challenge for the club is that Atleti 1.0 just had higher quality players than what they have right now. And and a big part of that is is just the dynamics of the market. It's become very difficult somehow to uncover, you know, really technically or high quality players. You know, you don't have your Aguero type player available anymore who will come and play in Atleti for a couple of seasons and then they'll move on, you know, to a different club. That type of transfer is happening directly now to the final club that the player was going to be at. You know what I mean? So like uh, yeah. Alvarez... Get, get straight to City, you know, rather than maybe Alvarez would have come to Atletico. And of course, he would have been a big hit because he's a good, high-quality player. And I think that has shifted now in that it's just very difficult to get players early when at that stage as well, you're competing all of a sudden now with Real Madrid and Manchester City who have money and they're finding the players and stuff like that. And that's a challenge for a club like Atleti now. 
And I think that's why they went and they spent on Maratha because they said, look, you know, here's a good player. You know, he's a B plus, maybe A minus player. And he's still going to be good for us rather than us taking some huge risk and going completely out of the box, you know, for a solution and then ending up with something that's really not that great. And I don't know how the club is going to solve that problem. Maybe they'll just have to get lucky, you know, find some young players who will just become really big hits. But it is very hard in this game, you know, like Madrid just signed Endrick, who's what, 16, you know. So the same thing, say, you know, Atleti would have signed someone like him and, and maybe he turns out to be really good. That is what's missing for them as a club to to be able to find, in my view, like that really elite quality that they used to be able to find before. Well, um, like you said, um, things have actually changed. The bigger boys are actually going for players who they will actually wait for the smaller who be team clubs or second tier clubs to actually go for before they can buy. But like you said, um, we have some issues. And like you said, going for Morata has kind of like helped us in the short term. And then the long term, we are looking especially at the likes of Samuel Morodion. And to be honest, like what Gil said, but Gil is not a man of his word. But if you look at what he said, it's actually actually kind of depend on the academy. And if you look at the academy, actually, Aleti actually in, in the history, okay, I may be wrong because I've not experienced Aleti from when he was born, but this current group of players in the academy are actually the best I've seen. And also I've had feedbacks from guys who are 60, 70 years old and they're actually giving the same because there are a lot of attack, there's a lot of attacking talent in the academy right now. I'm talking about the rise of Fernino, you're talking about some of the likes of um, Salim, Salim, and then you also have Simeon Son, which actually I love who had a very good time at Zaragoza last Adria Zaragoza last season, but now injury. And then you have Samuel Morodion, who is actually, in my opinion, going to be the breakout player this season in La Liga because it's like he came from nowhere, played on match day one, scored against Aleti, and then all of a sudden this guy is just every every game he plays, I think you kind of see his impact. It's true, he has a lot of learning to do, but you kind of see him as a center forward. Aleti is really cholo because Talking about Aleti, I think one of the things that comes to mind for most team, most fans is, is a club who has traditionally had very good centre forward, but that's something we are struggling with at the moment. And like you said, if we can actually get that sorted, you know how we actually can actually acquire our players, then that would be good for us. Which is something I'm hoping we can do because our transfers in recent seasons have not actually been the best, best especially with COVID, and then we've been struggling financially and going for free agents. And trying to sign one or two players, but I think if we can make the most of the French market, it will be actually great. And we'll let's see how things go. So uh, Ali, Ali started the year in the seven goal trailer against Girona. That kind of made them to be ten points behind both Madrid and uh, Girona. So Ali, do you think um, Ali is out of the title race? Because I, for one, I there is true there's a lot of game left, but given the away form Ali has, I don't really see us being there. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and I think, you know, there's been a couple of interesting things in La Liga, especially last season, which I think we're seeing right now as well, is that oddly, you know, we're having teams now becoming statistical anomalies, but they're able to keep it up, you know, for the full season before that cycle kind of comes back and, and shifts and things return to mean, you know. And what I mean by this is like Barcelona last season, everyone could see that they didn't have the best defensive structure but they managed to get the results, you know, and they became that anomaly and they were able to see that through till the end of the season. And I think this season we're seeing similar things, you know, Girona similarly should not be, uh, you know, as good as they are defensively, but they are. And I think 
maybe they'll be able to ride that momentum till the end of the season, similarly to how Barca did it last season. And over at Madrid, you know, same thing. You have the statistical anomaly of someone like Jude Bellingham scoring so many goals. I don't know what it is, but it seems like there are these sort of momentum plays now that we're seeing in La Liga, which teams are able to kind of ride and they last a whole season. So I think with the consistency that Girona and Real Madrid are playing, I don't think that there's going to be a huge shift and either of those teams are suddenly going to start losing, you know, 15 points and it's going to become a big title race again with with Atleti and maybe Barcelona involved. I think this is it. You have your top two now. We're going to keep fighting for this. And Atleti, unfortunately, what they need to improve to be in that picture, their away results, it's just been such a long period of time in the season where they haven't had a solution for this. At this point, you know, it's hard to see them suddenly turn this around. You just don't see the signs of what's what can change dramatically that's going to give them a much better away record. So I think these are the these are the momentums that we have right now, and and that's what we'll see from now till the end of the season. Well, uh, Ali, I agree with you on that because Ali, away and away and home are two different teams, guy. It's as if when you watch them, it's like you are watching maybe at home you watch Ali team A. And a way you watch Aleti, I don't know, it's zero or whatever. Because the difference is so staggering. Because at home, you kind of get, you are watching a free-flowing team who can score at any moment. Away from home, you kind of watch a team who struggle a lot on the transition, which is actually very, very shocking. Because um, given Simeone's reputation and everything, but well, at least January, a lot can happen. But we know reality things are going to be slowly summer, given the rumors that are coming out and given how the owners are. They are very proactive when it comes to the transfer market are not very reactive. So not a lot of optimism for them solving some of Aleti's issues, which, which require personnel. Like, for example, there have been rumors of Aleti signing Guido Rodriguez, but he will be coming as a free agent in the summer, which kind of tells you how things are kind of being done at Aleti, and which also tells you the type of profiles Aleti are going for 30-plus-year-old profile. And I think the squad just keeps getting older, but luckily we have some of the players like Rodrigo Riquelme, Pablo Barrios, Lino, these type of players who are actually very young. And I hope Aliti can maybe look at the success they had in the Barrios transfer and then, sorry, in the Lino transfer, and then maybe they can kind of replicate that because we can actually go for some of those players who are actually doing good in leagues around Europe and are under the radar and then kind of loan them in the league like we have done for, for example, in the case of Samuel Mozion. I'm in my view okay i just expect that in two seasons time i think if he continues with the trajectory of the development he's having at the moment i believe he'll be kind of ready for ality because he's sitting in my opinion is very high even though i've nine of some in the game who actually don't have a lot of high hopes for him but physically and everything i think he's really outstanding and that's why the fact that he's not really a top quality finisher but having those chances at such a young age is very very good for him and maybe he can solve some of the issues ality are having so um Ali, one of the main issues, talking about issues, one of the main issues Aliti are having is the midfield. The midfield, Aliti's midfield, actually away from home, gets overrun. And that's because we have a guy like Koki, who is who just turned um, 31 yesterday. That's because we are recording past midnight where I am. And I know for you, he's basically heading towards evening. And that's the guy who's playing as a pivot for Aliti. And in the game against Girona in the first half, it was like every time Aliti lose the ball, it's a counter-attacking situation and you have Girona maybe scoring a goal. But now Cholo kind of switched and changed things, things, okay? And now Aliti played in the 4-4-2 and 
we kind of saw a more compact and aggressive Aleti. And I think the reason that was successful was not only tactically, but also mentally because Aleti were behind. And when you are behind, obviously, you put all that pressure to try to get an equalizer and the rest. So do you think, um, like you said, you don't see Aleti solving some of the issues, but we are talking in line of the, the derby in the Copa de Rey because Aleti has been one of the only team who has actually kept Bellingham quiet. When I say quiet, I don't just mean in terms of not scoring, but in terms of not having an impact on the game. Do you think Aleti at this moment can actually solve that issue they have in midfield? Because we are just embracing the fact that you guys have a very, very good midfield in terms of technique, in terms of power, in terms of athleticism. So do you think um, Cholo can actually come up with something to actually maybe have a solid midfield? before tomorrow's game? Yeah, so I mean, I think in tomorrow's game, yes. Um, if you look at Real Madrid as well, you know, the only loss was against Atleti. And um, I think that it will be a close game. I don't think that, like on paper, even if Real Madrid are favorites, I'm pretty sure that's not what we're going to see on the field tomorrow. Um, and maybe it has to do with, you know, the sense of rivalry that the two clubs had, you know, the, the Champions League finals, etc. Um, I think maybe mentally Atleti comes out a little bit different team against Madrid because, you know, they've had these big losses and there's that hurt, you know, and, and, and wanting, and the rivalry of course is there anyway. So I think maybe mentally the players are a little bit more turned on potentially when they're playing Real Madrid. And the thing about Madrid is that, you know, we're at the end of the day, we're not a very strongly structured team. You know, I think we get the right tactical outcomes on the field because of the individual level and quality of the players. But we are very dependent on the individuals to deliver those outcomes. And I think there are obviously ways that coaches can plan to nullify some of those trends. And Cholo did that once already. I think he will probably have a reasonable time uh, doing that on Wednesday as well. Um, so we will see an element of that for sure. But big picture, I don't think Atleti will necessarily be able to solve for this in La Liga uh, to be able to get them back into the title race. Um, I think top four is probably the realistic objective. You know, whatever the momentum of the team is, I think you guys are going to ride that till the end of the season. But in individual games like we have in the Super Cup and these other, you know, derby matches that we're going to have between the Madrid teams, you'll probably see a little bit of a different Atleti team just because they're mentally more turned on by the sense of challenge and occasion in these games? Well, um, Ali, I think um, I agree with you on that because the 3-1 win at home against Madrid, which was their only defeat um, this season, was actually what gave Aleti momentum to actually go on a six-game winning streak. And that was actually great because I, after that, I think we faced Osasuna at, in, at El Sadar, which is actually very tough and we do not have a good game, but we are actually able to see the game over the line which is something I, we have struggled to do in some of our recent games. I'm thinking of the game at home against Getafe and the rest. So, I, like you said, the players will mentally turn on and they know if they can actually achieve something great from that game, they can actually use that, that momentum to actually ride the wave onto the end of the season, which is actually something which I think Alessia has struggled at the moment. Because if you look at Aleti mentally, I think that's an issue. You watch the Barcelona game, Aleti's worst game this season, in my opinion. First two minutes of that game were actually where Aleti lost the game because mentally we were actually destroyed. Imagine the game is starting, okay, let's just use an example. And Aleti has to play against, okay, the game tomorrow. And then the start of the game, 
Real Madrid's most calm players under pressure in Modric and Cruz, they kind of keep on giving the ball away in the first three minutes. Imagine the kind of shock we would have seen across the team. That was what happened to Alexi against Barca when Hermoso, Witzel and Koke were actually g- giving the ball away so easily. The most technically gifted players in the team and also the most calm under pressure. So that kind of destroyed the team mentally. And in my opinion, since then, Alexi has not recovered because you watch one the genre, one of the genre goals which Koke actually gave the ball silly away. And that's been a recurring thing in games. It's true when you actually build up from the back. You make me there will be mistakes where you are the, the opponent first turnovers. But now those turnovers should not be easy as the one that's been in athletic games where we are actually the one making things easy, making the opposition press look very good and the rest. So hopefully I'm hoping for a win so that things turn for us. But well, with derby games, you never know what can happen. So um Ali, one of the things I think Ali struggled also is the fact that um, they miss barriers. Barriers kind of had a breakthrough season last last time where Alitu were actually struggling and needed a breath of fresh air and Cholo promoted him from the academy into the first team and he kind of had a lot of game where he scored goals but we could also see his technicality and he kind of offers something a little lacks in midfield which Paul showed for the 3-3 equalizer against Jona uh, but in my opinion that was actually thanks to Jona being very passive in how they defended where you have that player who can actually progress with the ball under pressure, which is something Madrid has in abundance. How do you think his absence has affected Aliti, and how do you think he will be missed tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, as you as you said, you know, the the role that he plays, you know, what he produces on the field is in terms of, you know, profile and having a player who can similarly deliver those kind of outcomes for the team. I don't think that you guys have a particularly, like, ready replacement or plug and play for that so you know those qualities are going to go missing and it obviously is going to be a limitation for the team because it kind of you know reduces uh, the level that you can expect from the midfield so if the team is still mentally struggling as you said from you know these couple of tough games that they've had then it might be a lot more noticeable uh, but if the others you know and especially the more senior players if they kind of you know in a sense, turn back the clock a little bit because of the sense of occasion, then I think, you know, the team will be okay because even Madrid is not going to be, like, throwing caution to the wind. And and frankly, Madrid, in terms of form, are not at their best level either. You know, we've been getting results, but when a team is scraping by results, it's generally not a good sign. And, you know, a bad result is just around the corner when they're in that kind of situation. So I think physically as well, maybe Madrid are not all there at the moment and struggling a little bit. So it could be that, you know, that reduction in physical level um, from the Madrid team. And if mentally Atleti shows up a little bit better version than, than than we've seen in the last couple of games, then I think it could be potentially very even. Yeah, I like you said, it's a derby game. And my opinion, whoever, whoever, like, how can I say, like you said, show up more mentally or has the better mentality or show better attitude can actually be the one who actually wins the game because... I think derby games are winning on momentum, which was, in my opinion, the, the reason why Aleti actually won against Madrid in earlier on this season. Because playing at home, riding the momentum of scoring an early goal and also the home fans behind you. So it, it will be actually a very, very good game. And maybe, in my opinion, tough for Aleti because it will be like an away game given Real Madrid's structure, how they are well supported worldwide. And we know they are going to have more fans in the stadium. But hopefully, Let's not say let's say more fans, but not more supporters, and that's more spectators who actually react to moments and not actually sing for the whole game. So that can actually be a kind of a neutral ground. Who knows? So um, Ali, um, 
like um, I tweeted in the game against Granada, if Girona, sorry, I would take the um, St. Paul version of of um, Rodrigo de Paul because his hairstyle makes him look like St. Paul with the, with the braids and everything. And since doing that guy, he's been very, very fantastic on the pitch. Mm. So um, um, just asking, okay, um, De Paul actually has been a reality for a while, but he actually said himself that he's actually feeling the most at home this season because he feels like he has the kind of leading role, and that's true because he's in charge, okay, of getting a little into the final third in terms of his progressive passes and like we saw against Girona, his progressive carries, which are not very frequent as they were at Udini. So do you think um, his reality career or De Paul this season? Because his early career has been up and down. Do you think the Paul this season has been actually the best version of the Paul or the De Paul, the Brits, which we have seen in the past three games, has actually been the best De Paul we have seen at Atleti? Yeah, I think so. And and I agree with you. I think there's been a little bit up down, you know, maybe a little bit more was expected of him as well when he came to Atleti and it it didn't quite happen for him. But you know, he's been here for a couple of seasons. Obviously, his dynamic with the coach is very settled. Uh, by now, he's got to understand what Cholo needs of him and requires of him. And, and you know, it could be one of those things, you know, at his age right now, he's he's just hitting that that kind of peak where as a midfielder, you know, it's very hard in the modern game. There's just so many things you have to be good at to actually be able to produce consistently and, and have a very high level. And and on top of that is is tactical understanding, you know. So it's possible that it's just he's evolved and, and learned the lessons that he had to in in La Liga, which is tactically a very, you know, challenging league, the tactical level is very high in La Liga. And maybe now he's learned what he had to win. And we are indeed starting to see a player who's entering his peak. Yeah, hopefully that's the player we can continue seeing because I expected a lot from De Paul, actually coming from Udinese. True, he played a different role where he was kind of the protagonist and coming to Aleti, he was not always going to be the protagonist. But now maybe having a, a more, like he said, in more leadership role within the team in terms of how the team wants to progress the ball has been kind of maybe good for his confidence and also we are seeing this version of of Depot we are seeing. So um Ali, when you talk of Aliti, what comes to your brain is a defensively solid team. And it's not just in terms of tactics, but also in terms of personnel. But like you mentioned, the level of quality of Aliti as now is is lower than as compared to what we had in terms of in Godin, Miranda and the rest. Aliti are actually struggling a lot defensively. So, looking at Aleti this season defensively, they are not actually solid in terms of numbers and also the level of defending. Because watching somebody like Soyuncu, who is actually who was good for Leicester before his injury, but after his injury, he has struggled. But I think he can get to his best, or maybe hoping for the best. Do you think um, Aleti needs some defensive reinforcement, or Aleti can maybe just ride this wave and then just? go end the season like that and end the summer we can actually refreshing the team up yeah I th- you definitely i think it's a personnel issue you know um you you guys just simply had much more capable players both in the defensive line but also in in defensive midfield you know and uh big personalities as well which have sort of left and i don't i'm i'm quite sure those have not been replaced by people who are quite as responsible you know uh, as the previous generation was. So I think that is a problem. Um, but like we said before as well, you know, the market is difficult, um, maybe not as difficult, you know, for defenders uh, in terms of, you know, center backs or so on. You guys might be able to find a couple of good players, but it's just very hard to find really solid, you know, wing back type players or um, as you had before. 
So that's a challenge, you know, even richer clubs like Real Madrid, Barcelona are struggling to find good wingbacks, you know, that they can they can actually put into the team. So that's a challenge that doesn't have an obvious solution. And then same with midfield, you know, it's very, very hard right now to find really good midfield talent um, and clubs who are really trying hard, you know, to to go and find midfield players is still not able to do that. You know, Manchester United, they took a risk on a physically declining Casemiro and had to spend so much money on him, you know, and they didn't get what they were looking for. And so that's a problem. You know, you guys definitely have that issue where even in the market, it's going to be very hard to identify the the candidates that are going to get the job done for you. So I think the search will go on. You know, the, the club is most likely going to try and take the best decisions it can, you know, find players as well who might be a little bit plug and play. Um, and then also keep looking for prospects that that might uh, become big hits for the for the club. Well, um, Ali, hopefully uh, the club can actually sort this out because Alexis Box defending in my opinion is actually one of the worst in the league, not as worse as that of Girona, but that's very very bad. Um, Ali, so ahead of tomorrow's game, what are some of the key things I think maybe the listeners can actually pay attention to in terms of where the game will be won? What are the things that um, if Maybe each club does you can actually limit the order and the rest. Yeah, I mean, I think that Cholo has Ancelotti's number pretty good in a tactical sense. So he'll be focusing on, you know, the ideas that he has and implemented in the previous game as well to nullify uh, Madrid. I think in Madrid's case, it's really going to be what sort of level of intensity that they can bring, you know, physically where the team is right now. It's it's not in a great place, you know, there's been a lot of injuries and January also tends to be like with Pintos's, you know, fitness plans for Madrid, that time of the year where the squad is kind of at its lowest point. So I think for Madrid, they're going to be trying hard to bring the right level of intensity. And I think Cholo, of course, is going to have the right ideas tactically. Um, so I expect it to be a very similar game to to what we saw in La Liga as well. Obviously, Madrid didn't win that one, but we'll see what happens on Wednesday. Well, uh, Mali, like you said, hopefully let's see what happens on Wednesday. And I think maybe keeping Bellingham quiet will be actually key. But now I think Real Madrid are past the stage where even if Bellingham has a not-so-good game, then they can now actually produce a lot in attack. But let's see how it goes. And like Girona did, I'm sure Real Madrid will try to take up take advantage of Alexis' problem, especially on the wide areas where you have that gap between the the right centre-back and the, the full-back because Cholo kind of has been taking a lot of risks risk lately, but I'm not sure he will do the same against uh, Madrid. So, um, Ali, it's been nice chatting with you on Real Madrid and Alexis ahead of the derby. And um, Ali, what do you have to, um, what's your opinion on how significant the derby has been in the last decade or so because before Cholo I think we knew it was a one-sided derby it was pretty much like that of Barcelona versus Espanyol but after Cholo I think there's been a lot of change you have a lot of equality even with derby matches where Alexia has gone into the derby match as even favorite so what do you think your opinion on the significance of the derby and how the future Madrid derbies will look like? And I think it's been great that there's been a restoration you know of the level of competitiveness uh, for the derby it's it's actually a really great game now to watch, you know, and I think even outside of Spain, fans are beginning to understand that, you know, both clubs have settled and matured into their modern philosophies. 
you know, there's consistency of output uh, in a relative sense out of both teams. I think it's just a really, really good clash now and perhaps, you know, better than the Classico at this moment in terms of the quality of football. And I think that we'll likely continue to see that um, based on the way that Atleti is structured as a club right now, obviously in a good way uh, for 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 several years to come, you know, and it's obviously very special for the city of Madrid because naturally both are Madrid teams for, and they attract a very different type of fan as well. So I think all put together, you know, it's probably among the be- the best rivalries out there right now um, uh, between between Atleti and Real Madrid. So um, and the significance of it is high in the sense that you know it continues to reinforce that Spain is is not just about Real Madrid and Barcelona. You know, there's Atletico Madrid is there as well, and that serves, I think, continuously serves as an example for other clubs that are trying to become serious. Atletico, I think, will continue to provide a really good kind of example for them and proof to say that you can get there. You know, and and there is a possibility um, where you become a club which competitively at least is within the league of, of Madrid and Barcelona in Spain. Um, and as long as this derby remains competitive, you know, it will continue to be one of those examples for the rest of the league that it's it's not all over, you know, just because Madrid and Barcelona are the richest, there is a way to get to, to a similar level to them and keep things competitive. Well, um, Ali, that's actually a great thing you just said, okay, given that um, La Liga in general is not just about the big two, and for example, Girona is actually top of joint top of La Liga, which is an statistical normally given that they are kind of overperforming defensively or they are just outscoring opponent and we know that will not last forever. And now talking about how Aleti has actually risen to the top has been great because I think Rias that kind of had the same I'll say luck that Aleti had with what they have now with Imanol Aguasil, where they kind of found someone who can give them that solidity and they are no more fighting relegation, but have been participating in Europe. For several seasons and now they were in the champions league for the first time in like i think 20 how many years and then they are actually now qualified for the knockout stages of the champions league which is actually great and now you are having clubs where we are seeing them trying to achieve a little bit of um, how can i say like consistency in what their goals are it's true you have the anomalies like sevillas who have a very good season and then a very bad season and it was sad to see what's happening to really because they were actually in line to actually get in there like these third tier clubs in sorry second tier clubs in la liga where they are actually aiming to be obviously part of achieving reaching where Aleti are at the moment and i believe that if these clubs will continue in that light i think we will actually see them and the good thing is that as compared to before because i've not actually been a follower of la liga for a long time even though i started supporting Aleti for a long time i was actually a prem head as a premier league fan but what I've actually read and researched is actually the fact that as compared to the 2009 where you had this lot of clubs who were bad poorly run, now you have clubs who are very well run in La Liga. You have the likes of Sasuna, you even have Mallorca clubs who are actually know what they want and actually doing things the right way to actually get there and looking for other ways to compete with the bigger clubs in La Liga like you mentioned. So um, Ali, it's been great um, chatting uh, with you about the Madrid Derby. <laughs> Yeah, likewise, man. It was uh, thank you for having me, and uh, it's been a really, really fun conversation. Yeah, it's really, really been a fun conversation. So, Ali, maybe before you go, we always like to do this, okay? Where we ask um, fun certain um, questions. So, these questions will be actually based on the Madrid Derby, and um, 
so the first question I think will be one which is easier. What's who has made played who has the most appearances for Madrid? Who has the most appearances in the Madrid Derby? Oh, all time? Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> that is a tough one. Hmm. Ah man, I I'm at a loss at this. Um, I, I don't think I'd be able to say, but I have a feeling it's a player from Atletico and not Madrid. Uh, no, it's from Madrid, okay. Just give it a try. Really? Is it Ica Casillas? Oh, no. It's, it's Ramos. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. 43 derby appearances. Um, the next interesting, yeah, okay. The next um, question Can you name uh, five players who have played for both Madrid and Aleti? And Aleti? That should be easy. five players. Nah, man, <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> five players is too much. That should be easier, girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm good, I'm bad with these okay, kind okay. of trivia. Okay, 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 okay. Since we beat you guys three ones, name three players. <laughs> Man, I, I seem to be able to think more of like Barcelona players who play <laughs> for Madrid than, than ones who. I mean, Hermoso, of course, is there, right? You have Lorente right now and Morata, I guess, in the current squad. You could say that those are three. Yes. And there was the Courtois. Uh, okay, I'm going now. Okay. So Felipe Lewis, I guess, was, was my. And yeah, Courtois as well. Yeah. So we got five. <laughs> and hey, I guess one Juan as well. Uh, That's six. Be, yeah, yeah, I guess that's six. Not bad. I thought I didn't uh, remember, but uh, we, we did okay. Okay, that's great. So, uh, I mean, technically, technically, you could say Raul was the same because he played in the U teams, you know, for Atleti and then Madrid. So, yeah, could be argued. Exactly. So, I'm sure this one will be simple. Who is the top goal scorer in the Madrid Derby? Oh, that's a good one. Is it Cristiano Ronaldo? For sure, 22 goals. <laughs> yeah. Had to be. And the fun fact is, uh, the top five goal scorers are all for Madrid. You have Cristiano, Alfredo, Alfredo, Di Stefano, Raul, Frampuscas, Santiago Bernabeu. Hmm. Interesting. So the next question is, you should name two players, okay? Well, this one may be tough, or I just go for huh? two players who have played for both Madrid and Aleti. I was one La Liga with both Madrid and Aleti. Ooh, that is a tougher one. Hmm. <laughs> Has won La Liga for both Madrid and Atleti. Crap. Um, hmm. I mean, could it be that like Felipe Luis was at Madrid uh, at the time that they won, and then he went to Atleti? <laughs> no, 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 no. I think Felipe was one one far at the moment. I think they were at Madrid at the moment where I think it was during that era where Madrid was struggling just before Moreno came. Mm, right, so they didn't win anything. Yeah, huh. yeah. Because I was thinking maybe when when Calderon was president, you know, and there were the two La Ligas, maybe at that time they might have been at Madrid and then moved. Uh, mm. that, is it? Are there more recent players, or yeah, was it that, uh, from long ago? There is a recent player. Is Courtois one of them? For sure, he won La Liga with Aleti in 2013 14 and then he won La Liga with you guys in on two occasions, 2019 20 and. Recently, 2021-22. So I'm going to say then maybe Lorente is the other one. Uh, have, have you guys won since he joined? Yeah, we have won La Liga since he joined. 
But fun fact is, with you guys, he was not there when you won La Liga. He was there for Champions League. Oh, shit. Then maybe Morata, I think, was there. Um, so it would be him. Morata was not there when we won La Liga. <laughs> wow. This is a tougher one, huh? I, I don't know. Okay, okay. It? it is um, Jose Luis Perez Paya. It's a player from long ago. Where we won La Liga in 50-51 and then you guys won 53-54 and 54-55. No, oh, okay. So that's yeah, that that's long from long. way long ago, way before our time. So uh, pretty much the last question is uh, what's the biggest like, score line? Not the last question, basically. So I'm okay, I'm going to put this as two way. Okay, what's the biggest score line of the Madrid Derby? Yes, that's it. Ah oh, man. I think that it was something a little bit crazy, like I don't know. And 11 something, was it? Um, not really. In an official game, it's not 11 something. It's actually kind of something which has not been achieved, I think, in a long while. It's been. Hmm. It's actually not that big. Just take a guess. Oh, really? Yeah, in an, in an unofficial game, uh, okay. In an official game, you have the 73 in, I think, in Las Vegas, where Costa and. and Joao Felix were announcing themselves. Right. But now in an official game. So officially, something something like 5? Would it be 5-0 or something like that? Spot on. 5-0. It's been on three occasions. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, I think you have the 47-48 La Liga season. A little bit, you guys. A little bit, Madrid 5-0. Then you have 58-59 Madrid Beatles. And then 83-84. That's the biggest scholar in the Madrid day. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Not a bad guess, huh? Yeah. I think the most recent biggest score lines have been four ones, I think. Hmm. Where I, that would make sense. Yeah, where I think you have the the game where we beat you guys at the Cardiron, which was Angelotti's last game before Zidane took over and went on his repeat. And um hmm. then I think there's also I think another four one where Ronaldo scored a hat tricks. And you didn't do hmm. bad, okay? It means you're, 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 <laughs> yeah, put me on the spot there, man. Yeah, but I'm very bad with these kind of retaining, you know, the, the past, like, details like this. Yeah, I think you're not... I tend to remember big picture things. Okay, but I would say you're not as bad as Kai. Kai actually had basically zero on five. <laughs> 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 it's going to kill me for this, but I would say you're not as bad as Kai. You are actually done very good because it's true I gave some hints, but you had an... Your answers to all the six questions. That was actually great. I think you are the first to have six on six. Oh, no, you are Maxi, an Italian journalist. So that's great. You are up there among the best. So even though you may say you are not good at retaining, but well, I've been here with Kai and Kai had zero on. So that's not that's not bad. <laughs> Thanks, man. Sorry. Thanks for making me feel better about this. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So Ali, it's been actually a very, very fun episode. It's true, it's not be more tactical, but I think we touch about some of the aspects of the game which are not talked about enough because on Twitter you see a lot of tactics, tactics, tactics. But there are a lot of things in football, just more than tactics, which is what, like you have mentioned, Carlo does behind the scene with the player, tries to improve them personally and also tries to give them rules on the pitch which actually suits them. And now you have talking about the mental aspect and talking about how Vinicius' performances have been affected by him not focusing on the game, but also mourning and complaining to referees. It's been actually a great. I think it's the first time I've done such an episode. And to be honest, I enjoyed it. We have spoken for more than an hour, but it's like it's felt like just five minutes. Same here, man. Thank you for having me. So thank you, dear listeners, for listening to the Partido Partido podcast. And remember, nunca deja de cre. Never stop 
believe in. Oh, Ali, I'm sorry. You want to just score prediction for a game? Hmm. <laughs> Good question. Um, I'm going to say it's going to be uh, 3-1. I'm going to call it for us, Madrid. Yeah, if you say so. That is going to be a high-scoring game, I think, with Aliti coming out of top for me. So... Thank you, Alian. Guys, please remember Nunca de had a great despite Ali's score line. Never stop believing. I'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.